Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei Podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. Greetings from Mid-Cities, Midland, Texas, the desert. Uh, if you don't know where we're at, uh, come see us. You have, uh, you have a spiritual family that loves you and, uh, and, and uh, is there to serve you as well. Uh, and I want to thank Pastor Bruce and, and uh, Terry for this opportunity. You know, he doesn't know me, and, uh, and to allow me to have this pulpit is, is, very, is very special. Um, but because we're in every nation spiritual family, we have confidence in each other. And so um, I, I really, and I, I have never said this, I've never said this, but I really have uh, a word for you for today, for this body, for this family. Okay, so, um, but, but first I want to, I want to tell you a little bit a, bit, a little bit about myself, because, so you understand what may happen today is, uh, I'm, I'm an emotional man, which is in our culture in West Texas, for a Hispanic man to cry, it's out of the norm. And he's really looked at in a different way. Um, one family came, uh, and they've been with us now since pretty much since we launched uh, our Espanol campus. And she's been, she, it's funny because she's Hawaiian, half Filipino, half Hawaiian, and he's white. And they don't speak Spanish. But yet they were with us. They've always ministered in the Hispanic community. And she said, I have been, the first time she saw me get emotional behind the pulpit, she said, I have been in Hispanic churches for 25 years and I have never seen a Hispanic pastor cry like you cry. Uh, it wasn't always the case like that. When I was 30 years old, I thought, I don't, I, I told my wife, we don't need anybody. I have you, I have my children, I have eight sisters, I have one brother, you have 10 siblings, we don't need anybody else in our lives. <laughs> We're okay. I'm self, I'm self-sufficient, I'm wise enough, I'm strong enough. Uh, we can make this work. But life is hard. Amen? Life is hard. And if we don't have somebody that's bigger than us, that's more powerful than us, that has an infinite mind, we are going to struggle and battle every step of the way. And it wasn't that I didn't know Christ. I, I accepted Christ when I was 18 years old. But I just, I grew up in that culture of, I don't need anybody. Uh and, and it's funny that as I get older, I even become more emotional, but there's, there's, there's a beauty that you begin to hear the word of God in different places that you didn't expect. And let me just give you two quick examples. There was an old theologian that was called Rocky Balboa. <laughs> and I think it was Rocky 105, right before he goes to the Creed series. He, he's talking to his son outside of the restaurant, and he's giving him a motivational speech. But he ends up saying, says, it's not how many times you fall, but it's how many times you get up. Yeah. 
And doesn't that remind you of Proverbs 24? Though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he will arise. So you begin to understand that God's always speaking to us through different mediums. There's another prophet or theologian, Dr. Spock from Star Trek. I don't remember what, 10 or 11. He's dying. He makes his Vulcan salute to Jim. And he's inside a nuclear chamber that's eating him up alive. And he says, Jim, remember, the needs of the many will outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Doesn't that remind you of Philippians that says that Jesus didn't think it robbery not to be equal with God. As a matter of fact, he emptied himself for the needs of the many and not for him. So why am I telling you this is because I may cry this morning. But you may cry this morning. And that's okay. Because that's kind of the introduction to my message is, a lot of the times we read the word of God and it's black and white. And we kind of just skim over the thought that there's emotions in here. People were feeling something when they were writing it down. I mean, just think about it. Simply in three words, Abraham believed God. Everything he had as a man, everything that he had inside, all, all, all pride, all envy, all faith, all doubt, all he, 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 he deposited into the hands of God. He believed God. How, how, how do you think he felt in that moment? Well, I don't know what I'm doing, but you're telling me to believe. I'm going to believe. Or when Thomas encounters Jesus and Jesus tells him, touch my hands, Thomas. Touch my side. And if you read the scripture, it says, oh, and Thomas said, my Lord, my God. Do you think that's how it was? No. What? My Lord, my God. Emotions in the scripture. Then you read Psalms 51. And David is, you know, there's another movie. I'm an old man. I'm 61. You probably aren't going to relate to me. That's okay. But there's a, there was a movie called An Officer and a Gentleman, Richard Gere. He's trying to be a naval officer. Lou Gossett Jr. is his drill sergeant, and he's treating him like a dog. And he's got him in mud, and, and he's trying to get him to quit. And he says, I can't remember his name. He says, quit. You don't have it in you. Quit. Go home. And Richard Gere stands up while he's doing sit-ups. He goes, I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go. And I think that's how David was feeling. I've got this guilt. I've got this shame. I've got this condemnation. And I don't have nowhere to go. Where can I go to get rid of this? Would you examine my heart? Would you renew my spirit? Would you put a fresh spirit in me, Lord? There's emotions in the scripture. And when you get that, it just impacts, us, impacts every fiber of your body. So this morning, the message is the impact of emotional decisions because we're going to deal with emotions and uh 
Let me give you a little background of the scripture. It, it had been about eight days. Jesus, Jesus was gone. Jesus had died. And I mean, simply in that moment, imagine what the disciples were thinking. Is it over? Are we alone? Was he even with us? Will he come again? Do we believe his word? Can we believe his word? Did he really love us? All these emotions were going with him. Doubt, fear, anxiety, stress. What we, they were literally in no man's land. Where do we go? What do we do? Now? I've given up my life and now he's gone. Who do I follow? All these emotions were in these guys. And I, I, I want you. I want you to find yourself in these scriptures. In this message, I want you to say, that's me. That's how I feel. That's what's going on in my life. And let that emotion come out of us as well. Uh, because the fact of the matter is emotions are good. Amen? Remember when you, when you saw him, girls? And like, whoa. Or guys, when you saw that girl, right? Emotions. Or when you... When you got that promotion, when you got that car, or maybe when you broke up with that guy, you say, yeah, I'm glad I got rid of that knucklehead. I mean, emotions. But the thing is, is emotions can also serve as a compass. And, 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 if, and if, if you just let that emotion, God has this plan for you, but if you let that emotion just tilt just a hair this way, And then you make another decision. And then you make another decision. And you make another decision based, based on emotion. The target is out of your reach. And what is the definition of sin? Not hitting the target. And those are the moments where we hear these words. Only this drink is going to get me where I need to be. I got to take this pill so I'm okay, so I can deal with this. This addiction is what's going to get me out of this dark place. Why? Because we've started to make decisions based on emotion, and we're way out in no man's land. And we don't have any idea how to get back. So to, that we must begin to understand that we got to control emotions. Especially when we make decisions. I used to tell this to my kids. I have three kids. I said, never. Hear me, baby. Never. Never make a decision when you're on a mountaintop or down in a valley. You'll regret it. Because those are emotions that are peaking out in that moment. Be it up or low. Come on up. Level up. And then you can make that decision. Or here's what I tell them. Make that decision in that hilltop, in that valley. But walk it out in five years and where are you going to be? And that really helped my kids make right, right decisions. All right, let's, let's rock and roll. John 21, 1 and 3, it says, After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself on this wise. There were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathan of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, 
and two other of his disciples, seven in all. Simon Peter said unto them, I go fishing. I think the brother was a mascot. I go fishing. They said unto him, we also come with thee. They went forth and entered into the boat, and that night they took nothing. Now let me tell you, fishing was a good thing. That's what they did. That was their occupation. But again, take this in context. All the emotions they were feeling. And Peter makes this decision in this valley of his life. Let's go fishing. Now, it wasn't the deal that it was at night. They used to fish at night, but it was, it was what he was communicating in simply saying, let's go fishing. He was saying, I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to where I'm comfortable. I'm going back to what I'm good at. I'm leaving all this stuff behind me. It was good for a little while, but now I got to get back on with life because this is real. I'm going fishing. Instead of waiting, they were already told by Mary, go to Jerusalem and wait. I'm going to meet you there. Instead of doing that, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I know. This isn't for me. This isn't real. God, God is gone. I need to do some changes. I'm, I, I need to make this decision in this valley. And I'm going fishing. Here, here's the other thing. Family is, what did the disciples say? We go too. Every one of you here are leaders. Understand that. I don't care if you just have a dog. That dog is following you. You're leading that dog. You have a girlfriend, you're leading that woman. You have a boyfriend, you're leading him. You're a father, you're leading your family. You're a husband, you're leading your wife. You're all leaders at some level here. And when you make a decision that's out of the will of God based on emotions that's either high and lows, you, the whole pack follows you. Your family follows you off the ditch. Your best friend follows you over the cliff. Maybe your dog is too smart. He said, no, I ain't going that way. You go by yourself, man. But they all went with him. Now, I don't know what they were thinking, but nobody took a moment and said, no, no, no. No, no, Peter, don't, don't go. Wait, he's coming back. Remember what he said. Nobody thought that because they were so consumed by every other emotion. They, they couldn't logically think about it. They all went with him. Then, that lets us know that they were all going off to somewhere they shouldn't be. Now, these were fishermen. That's all they did. That's how they made their living. That's how they provided for their family. How many fish did they catch that night? They made a decision based on a bad emotion in a valley, and God was telling them, this is the result. Stop right here. Get back to alignment to my word and my will. They didn't listen. They started thinking something else. Maybe all the fish are asleep. You know, it's night. I don't know, but we didn't get anything. Peter, what's the deal? Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Keep fishing. 
Think about the last time you were there. You were in that moment. You were either at that mountaintop or that valley, and you were so filled of emotions, and you made a wrong decision. And something, I guarantee you, if you think about it, and it just dissect, you'll realize that God spoke to you like that, like he spoke to Peter. You didn't catch nothing, Peter. Go back. Because God is always speaking to us. Somebody said either today or yesterday, it's not God that walks away from us. We're the ones that walk away from him. Verse 4 and 5, it says, But when day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said unto them, Children, have ye ought to eat? They answered to him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Remember, now, now, remember the, the, the basis of all these emotions that they're dealing with. And they hear the voice of Jesus. They don't really see him because he's far, but they hear his voice and they respond. But in that moment, somebody should have said, is, is that Jesus? Nobody said that. When we're outside of the will of God and we've done these emo taken these decisions based on emotions, our vision gets cloudy. And our ears get mute and deaf. And we don't hear the voice of God. And that's when we're saying, is that me? Is that the Holy Spirit? Is that the enemy? Is that my friend? Who's that talking in my head? Because I don't know right now. That's what they were going through. And... Here's the other thing, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, guys. I'm not. But when Jesus, he does it here, and he does it with you, I know he does it with you. When he starts a conversation with a question, pay attention. He started the same conversation with Adam and Eve. He wants to begin restoring that relationship that's broken and get you back in his will. He tells Cain, and a, a, uh, Cain, where is your brother? Now, does Jesus or God ask questions because he doesn't know? No. He asks questions so that there can be a conversation between you and him. And he can dive into your emotions and start getting them in line with his will. His love. His love and his grace is such that even when we are disconnected from him, he begins to show us his love. And whatever level we're at, he begins to help us understand that all he wants is to have a conversation with us. Verse 7 and 8, it says, That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, said unto Peter, which is usually John, it is the Lord. 
Now he, he realizes who it is. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his coat about him, for he was naked and cast himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubics off dragging the net full of fish. They recognized him. They recognized him. When was the last time you were in that moment of despair, of anxiety, of desperation, of hopelessness, and you saw the Lord come to you? How did you feel? How did you feel? And I think in this moment, the emotions were starting to change. There was a shift. Because Peter, and I know and Peter, Peter was aggressive. And he had his goods out in his bed, but this was one of those moments where Peter said, that's him. And nothing is going to keep me from getting close to him. So he, he headed off. He headed off. Now, here's, here's the thing we got to remember about God and, and Jesus is that he's, he starts that conversation with us, but he's always going to try to meet us at least halfway, if not more. Why? Because he wants us to come back into his will. It says, verse 9, So when they got up, Upon the land, they, said, they see a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now taken. Simon Peter therefore went up and drew to the net to the land full of great fish, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, the net was not rent. Jesus said unto them, Come and break your fast. And none of the disciples durst inquire of him, Who art thee? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus cometh and taketh the bread and give it to him and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus manifested to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. A couple of things. A hundred and fifty-five fish. Why is that important? What was the original number I gave you? How many disciples were there? Seven disciples. Ate with Jesus. Can eight men eat 155 fish? I don't think so. Do y'all remember Cool Hand Luke? You remember Cool Hand Luke? He ate so many boiled eggs they had to rub his belly. That's if those eight guys ate, eat 155 fish, somebody's gonna have to rub their belly. That's too many fish. Why did Peter bring the whole thing? When Jesus just said, just bring a couple and I'll cook them for you. Why did Peter bring the whole net full? Because Peter was letting Jesus know, I don't want anything, man. Everything I have, I'm giving it to you again so you and I can restore our relationship. But here it is, take it all. Because really now I'm connecting the dots. You told me where to fish, and I fished, and here's the result. It's you, Jesus. It's you here. Don't we react the same way? Should we react the same way? When we're in that moment of despair, we've walked away from God, and he seems so far, and then he does things in our lives and, and restores us. Don't we want to just 
hit ourselves on the head and said, you crazy little short Mexican. Why did you make that decision? Get back with him. That's the blessed place you can be. That's what Peter was recognizing. I shouldn't be out of here. So here. Here. And here's the other thing. He invites them to have breakfast. And there's so, if you haven't if you haven't read these this it says here it's the third time Jesus manifested himself to the disciples. If you haven't connected the dots on people sitting and eating with Jesus and getting the revelation, connect the dots. Because this reminds me of the walk to Emmaus. Two guys were just talking on the road and Jesus comes along. They don't recognize Jesus. They tell him, man, you a fool. You, we don't know what's going on. Where you been, baby? And then it says that Jesus broke bread with them. And what happens? It's the same thing here. Jesus was preparing. I'm, I'm about to reveal something to you, Simon Peter, and you disciples. But I'm, I'm fed in the environment. So you're not threatened, and you're not fearful, and you're not doubtful. Come eat. And for, and for, us, and for us Hispanics... When we planted our church, every meeting, you get fed. Instead of if you build it, they will come. If you feed them, they will come. And they came. I understand about that. And doesn't Psalm 23 say something about God preparing a table before us? It's the same thing. We sang that this morning. He's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's doing the same thing here. Come sit with me. And let me just tell you, whenever you have communion, that's what's happening. God is inviting you to come. Don't ever take communion lightly. Because that's revelation that's about to happen. But if you say, yeah, I hear the bread. And man, there's no alcohol in this grape juice, but I guess it's got to be all right. If you think about it like that, you're not going to get no revelation. As a matter of fact, you may fall into the, the, the scripture of if you eat with a wrong heart, you may fall asleep. And falling asleep ain't falling asleep. Falling asleep is the brother out. Those are these moments that are happening, that happen then that happened with Peter and are going to happen to us. So, then, this is where it really gets good. Verse 15, so when they had broken their fast, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, lovest thou me more than these? A question. He's starting the conversation with a question. Do you love me more than these? And he said unto them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. I, I got to be honest, this ain't the version I usually use. I, I don't know where, what went wrong here, but it's, it's like, he knows me. Big Daddy Mac knows me. I, I, don't, I don't know what this is. He said unto them, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, lovest me? He said unto him, Yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto them, Tend my sheep. He said unto him, Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, 
Lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, you knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Do you hear that emotion in Peter's voice? Peter, do you love me the first time? Yeah, baby, me and you go way back. I love you, man. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. No, no, no. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love you. Why are you asking me again? Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm about to be offensive. Peter, do you do you love me? And Peter's saying, Why this brother asking me three times? I already told him. But Peter knew what was going on. Because here's what Jesus was really saying to Peter. And, 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 and here's what he was telling him. Because we know, you know the, 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 the explanation for the word love in this scripture. There's, there's three levels. There's eros, there's philos, and there's agape. And Jesus was saying the first one was Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with unconditional love? Do you love me to surrender everything to me? Do you love me where you follow me, where there's darkness and no light? Do you love me so much that you just follow me in faith? Do you love me that much? But Peter responded with the second love. Yes, Jesus, I'm your friend. Oh, what do you think? How do you think Jesus felt? Forget about Peter. How do you think Jesus felt? And then he asked him again, Peter. Peter, are you my friend? Are you really my, you just told me you were my friend. I was expecting more of you. I was expecting that, yes, you'd respond with that agape love, but you didn't, but that's okay, Peter. But are you really even my, my friend? And Peter looks at him and says, Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Right, guys? Yeah. Oh, and that hurt Jesus. And there's a whole other side of the coin is when we begin to understand the emotions that are on the other side of the conversation. Where we, God gives us a glimpse of what he's feeling and the hurt and, and the expectation that he had from us and, and we're not there. We're not responding the right way. Our obedience is out the door. So Jesus was going through this and he asked him a third time, Peter, Peter, I hung on the cross for you, Peter. I shed my blood for you, Peter. I promise you I'd come back. I'm here. Do you love me, Peter? And Peter started saying, uh-oh, something right here. Whenever we take, we make a decision based on emotions, rest assured, your love of God will be affected. 
Instead of being here and unconditionally surrendered and obedient at a maximum level to God, you're going to be here. Why? Because you're walking away from Him. It's going to affect everything. Your joy, your faith, your commitment, not only to God, but other relationships. It's going to affect it all. When you start making those decisions based on emotions, solely on emotions. And Jesus wanted Peter to look in the mirror and say, see what happens? See how far you've gone in a matter of eight days, Peter? You can't even tell him you loved him like you did last Saturday. You can't tell him that. It happens like that, guys. It happens like that. So let's, let's, let's be careful that we don't start veering off. And we don't make those emotions, those decisions based on emotions. And here's the other thing. Jesus was asking Peter, because after every question, he tells him what? Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. What was he telling him? It doesn't. Oh, no, I'm going to tear this off. It doesn't matter where you're at, Peter. Begin feeding my sheep. Begin loving at that level. If it's a friendship, begin loving people at that level, Peter. Begin serving people at that level, Peter. I don't care that you're there and you're not where you're supposed to be, but begin doing something for the kingdom at that level, Peter. And, I, and I'll tell you this, there's moments where I have to walk through people. Just last, this week, we had a, we had a conversation with a, with a man that lost his 15-year-old son. And, and they've grown, withdrawn from society, basically, in Texas. And his wife hasn't come out in a couple of years from the house. And, and I told him, because God laid that on my heart to tell him, remember the disciples. When Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead you, and he said, go and make disciples, He didn't say, wait, 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 wait six months till you're healed from this grieving and go. No, 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 no. He said, go now. Why did he do that? Because sometimes our healing will come while we serve and learn to hurt with others. And, and, and God will let you see that, yeah, you're hurting, but you got him. What if this person is hurting and doesn't have him and he's placed him in your path to lead him to God we we spoke and I told these to people yesterday to the to the to the kids yesterday we spoke to a man that runs a multi-billion dollar company here in a town nearby and we were talking having a conversation and he puts this question to us you know what I'm, I'm really not happy because nobody has answered What is the purpose of life? 72-year-old man, being a Buddhist all his life, and he still has that question. And, and you, know who, you know who ministered to him? The man that lost his son. And that's what Jesus was telling Peter. Peter, get up. Don't, don't, you made the decision in the valley. Don't stay there. Get up. Though a man fall, yet he will arise. Get up, Peter. Get to serving where you're at, Peter. Get to loving people, even at that friendship level, Peter. Get to learning, Peter, so you can get healed and you'll be okay. And in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months, you'll be right back where you need to be. But you got to get up now, Peter. Are we, re are we ready to do that? Are we willing to do that? Because here's, here's what I told the man about his wife, and his wife wasn't here, and I don't know who she is. 
But I said, sir, and I call everybody baby, so nobody get offended or hurt. Because I said, I said, baby, tell your wife that she's on the verge of being grieving for her son, and she's on the verge of stepping over to a spirit of mourning consuming her. Now, in this moment, Peter had that choice. Do I, do I walk this way and get, my, get myself next to Jesus and begin serving? Yes, it hurts. Yes, I'm sad. Yes, it's going to be a struggle, but I'm with Jesus. It's going to be okay. Or does he go this way and say, no, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to let the spirit of mourning and, 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 and sadness and loneliness consume me. That's going to be your options as well. And what are you going to do? And I'll close with this. So how do we, how do we live a life that's not tainted, that's not marked, that's not, stamped with one decision after another based on emotion? How do we live that life? Because here's something that I learned. Again, I'm 61 years old. At 20 years old, I thought, if I can make it to 30, ain't no temptation going to be strong enough for me. I get to 30. If I can make it to 40, I'm going to be David. I'm going to fight gladiators. At 40, I said, if I can make it to 50, I'm going to be all right. At 50, I said, if I can make it to 60, I'm going to be a good man. I'm 61. There's still battles. But you learn some things in life. So what I'm encouraging you is begin some habits now. Don't wait till you're 40 or 50 and your life is just marked with why did she do that? Well, you know, she was really sad that day. Or, yeah, she, she won the lottery. And she was so happy. And uh, no, 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 no. No. Let's not live a life that is just marked by one decision based on emotion, based on another and another and another and another. And it's simple, guys. It's simple. It's two steps. It's faith and obedience is all it is. If you're here or you're here, have faith in God that he's going to level it out. It's going to be okay. You're not going to be in the valley. Doesn't, there's another Psalms, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Why? Because the valley is going to end. You can't have the mountaintop if you don't have the valley. Y'all know this about mountains. The valley serves a purpose. Have faith that he's molding you in those moments to get you ready for the mountaintop. Have faith in that and in obedience. You're young. You're beautiful. You're handsome. You're intelligent. You're educated. You're favored. You're children of the Most High God. Allow him to make some decisions for you. And when he does say, all right. I don't agree, I don't understand, but all right.
Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, but I'm way over there. I'm worse than Peter. It doesn't matter. Make your way back. Begin loving where you are. Begin serving where you are. Begin leading who's behind you back to Jesus. It'll be okay. So I want you to bow your heads. I want you to be honest. And I hope you found yourself in this scripture. I, found, I hope you found yourself in this scenario. And I'm not going to do anything other than ask you to raise your hand. And if you're bold enough to stand up, stand up. I just want to pray for you. But guys, you're not too far gone. And the answer is very simple. Faith and obedience. So is there somebody in here this morning that just says, hey man. I'm way out here. But right now, I'm turning my feet back towards Jesus. I'm turning my heart. I'm turning my face. I'm turning everything I am back to Jesus. Is there anybody here this morning that's there? Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Don't, don't waste another day. Don't waste another day. He's right here before you. And he's willing to start that conversation with a question. I don't know the question, but he's going to ask you a question. Just a couple more seconds. Anybody else, man? You're not that far gone. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you, God, for your grace. I thank you, God, that you are a jealous God. You're an emotional God, Father God. You have all the elements that you placed in us, Father. We're in your image, Father. So this morning, I pray for those that raised their hand. I pray, God, that you would just begin that conversation with a question. Just a simple question. And like you initiated the conversation with the disciples, children, you call them children. God, that you would call your children that raised their hand, son, daughter. God, at, at, at them, to, when they hear those words, when they hear those words, Lord, they know, they know even though you will discipline and you will change things in their life, all they want to do is hear your voice again. All they want to do is have you hug them. All they want to do is have you acknowledge them as your children, Father. Begin that work in them today, God. Lord, that they would be back where they need to be with you in a very short time. We give you thanks and praise. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.